Welcome to the Calgary Ward 12 2021 virtual debate. While this debate is being held virtually via Zoom and YouTube, we would like to acknowledge that we are on the lands of the Treaty 7 territories and Region 3 of the Métis Nation of Alberta. Participating Ward 12 candidates will square off in a debate tonight about the issues posed by you, the residents of Calgary. Good evening. My name is Christopher Brown, the host of the Cross Border Interview podcast, and tonight I will be your moderator. Prior to tonight's debate, we reached out to all candidates via email who were running for Ward 12 Councillor. Candidates were given the same information and given the same details about tonight's debate. Participating candidates in today's debate are as followed in alphabetical order. Craig Chandler, John Duda, Teresa Hargraves, Mike Lavalley, Stephen Fan, Evan Spencer, and Michael Stralin. I apologize if I pronounce that incorrectly, Michael. You will correct me once you do your opening statements. The candidates have agreed to tonight's debate rules, and I will try my best to ensure that we keep on time and on schedule. Over the last few weeks, we have had over 215 submissions for tonight's debate alone. The candidates were not given the questions prior to tonight's debate, but were given the topics. Those topics include businesses, policing and safety, development and quality of life, city budget, the green line, and of course, because we are heading into winter, snow clearing. Now, for those watching via YouTube, I will be bringing in the candidates now. Here are eight of your nine candidates who are running in Ward 12. Thank you so much for doing this, all of you. As I said beforehand, each candidate will have a opening statement and that will be in one minute in length. This will go in alphabetical order by last name. And to start us off, Ms. Uh, Craig, a minute to yourself whenever you're ready. Oh, thank you, Chris. And uh, thank you everyone for tuning in to hear this important uh, debate about the future of uh, the city of Calgary in Ward 12. Uh, I'm running uh, not because I, I need a job. I'm uh, actually needing to put some companies in trust. I will be taking a pay cut, but I'm just a really ticked off business owner, sick and tired of yelling at my TV and radio with how these guys operate this city. It is time for some change. With a 33% vacancy rate downtown, 18% unemployment rate, we are a city in desperate need of fiscal sanity. And... Uh, I really encourage from what I'm hearing at the doors and I understand your issues about taxes and, and other things, but uh, I think it's really important to have experience uh, and some, uh, and, and people who understand uh, the different jurisdictions uh, uh, really of what uh, we need to pursue and focus on. We got to stay in our lane as, as individuals uh, at city council. And right now our current city council is a disaster and we need change. And I am that change. And thank you so much for tuning in. Appreciate it. Thank you, Craig. John, minute to yourself whenever you're ready. Hello, everyone. Uh, thanks, Chris, for putting this together. Uh, my name is John Duta, and I call New Brighton home uh, since 2014. The name on the October 18th ballot will be John Chabihabi Duta, because my clients know me all by the name Chabihabi. Uh, I have an engineering degree in forest management, and I've been uh, graduate from uh, Concordia University with an environmental certificate in waste management. 
Uh, I'm the owner of uh, two small businesses that I've built from scratch. And all my Canadian life, I volunteered uh, in various ways. Right now, I'm part of two board of directors, one being the New Brighton Community Association for the last five years. It will be a great honor to be elected as Ward 12 councillor and to make sure I will serve only your interest, I decided to run this campaign with no donation. I consider that this, if I'm not thrifty enough to run a simple campaign like that with my own money, I cannot manage your money properly. Thank you. Thank you so much. Teresa, one minute to yourself for opening statements. Thank you, Chris. My name is Teresa Hargreaves and I'm running for Ward 12. This is my second time running. Last time I ran in 2017 against our incumbent, Mr. Shane Keating. And I'm running again so that we can try to make Ward 12 a better place to live. I have felt that a lot of people do not have the opportunity to have their voices heard. And it has been proven over and over again that they still aren't being heard. I am a oil and gas landman and a project manager, which I own at my own consulting firm and I'm the CEO. CFO and CEO of that business. And I'm also a part of a member of the community association within our area. And I'm also a First Nation Métis person. So I'd like to acknowledge that this is our day for truth and reconciliation. And I'd like everyone to take a moment when they have a chance to actually state and take the time for themselves to reflect. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you all. Perfect. Thank you so much, Teresa. Mike Lavalley. Whenever you're ready, minute to yourself. Hi, I'm Mike Lavalley. I've lived in Calgary for 25 years and Cranston for the last 20 years. I received my formal education at the University of Saskatchewan, where I majored in finance at the Edwards School of Business. My professional career includes an eight-year tenure at the RBC Royal Bank, working in both branch and head office environments, supporting staff and teams across Western Canada. For 12 years, I held management positions in automotive industry here in Calgary. And for the last seven years, I've operated my own internet consulting business, partnering with Alberta, Canadian, and international companies to deliver solutions to our customers. I've been a volunteer, organizer, official, and coach with various groups and sporting organizations over the years. And I believe that those with the means and ability to make a positive difference in their community should do so. And that's why I've submitted my candidacy to represent you on council for Ward 12. Thank you. Thank you. Stephen, minute to yourself whenever you're ready. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for hosting this. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Stephen Fan. I'm a son of a Vietnamese uh, refugee. Uh, my father came here in the um, late uh, 70s as one of the last Mbo people. I'm a tech entrepreneur, um, small business owner as well myself, and uh, I've been running our family business for the last 13 years here. I have uh, also am a born-raised Calgarian. Um, Grew up in the South here and, and lived here um, my entire life and would uh, love to uh, impact some change. And I think it's time for a new generation of leadership. And I would uh, love the opportunity to be your voice in Ward 12 here and to um, effectively uh, make some changes for the betterment of, of our city and our, for future generations here. So thank you so much. Thank you. I uh, just want to remind uh, our candidates, if you're not mic'd, please mute yourself uh, during, I'm just getting some feedback on my end. Uh, next, we will move to Evan. Minute to yourself whenever you're ready. 
Good evening, everyone. Uh, I want to start by acknowledging that today, uh, like Teresa, is the day of National uh, National Day of Truth and Reconciliation. Also, want to thank you, Chris, for organizing this debate, and thank the good people of Ward Twelve for engaging in this process. This law is live tonight, or whether you're viewing this afterwards. Thank you. Um, my name is Evan Spencer. Personally, I'm a husband, a father of two. Professionally, I have a recent experience at City Hall. I'm a former pastor, a long-serving community advocate, and leader. I have a BA in leadership development. I'm a proven collaborator and negotiator. Two decades of driving community development initiatives. I have a track record of inspiring others, dedicated to creating shared vision with people, committed to driving positive change as your Ward 12 counselor. As a candidate back in May, I took the Alberta Urban Municipalities Association pledge to campaign with transparency, honesty, respect, nonpartisan, and focus on local issues. A vote for me is a vote for these values in a counselor, and I look forward to an honest, open, and respectful dialogue this evening about the future of our Warren City. Thank you, Evan. Now we will move to Michael. Michael, minute, uh, minute opening statement to you. Good afternoon, Calgary. My name is Michael Stryline. I'd like to take a moment as well to recognize that today is the federal holiday for the national for the Truth and Reconciliation holiday. I would also ask all of you to take a moment and ask the Alberta government to make it a official provincial holiday. That said, I am a digital marketer. I own and operate my own small business, and I decided to run for city council after speaking with or reviewing the platform of the majority of my opponents here today. The reason why I decided to run was because their platforms did have the, they basically said the same thing. Let's keep taxes low, by either cutting services or fighting efficiencies. That's the same platform we've heard time and time again, year after year, that has not enacted change. Real change will start with you. It will start by voting in fresh ideas, new voices that are free from the political influences that are currently shaping the environment that we are in today. Real change starts on October 18th. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you everyone for keeping to that one minute mark. We now turn to the topics of tonight's debate. Once I pose a question, each candidate will have one minute and 30 seconds or 90 seconds, depending on which way you like to call it, to respond to each question. Questions, again, will begin in alphabetical order, but this time we'll be starting with John. This, the topic is businesses in Ward 12. This question is from Michael. My wife and I own... Auburn Bay Physio, Cairo, and Massage. I'm not sure if I'm giving a free plug to them, but that's the business that they own. We opened our doors mid-August 2021. What is your plan to support new businesses located in Ward 12? John, a minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready. Hello, everybody. So the plan to support the small businesses would be first and part of my campaign, uh, assuring that you have normal traffic in the uh, Ward 12, yeah? We don't have those bottlenecks that are constantly growing. Okay, this is a secondary support for the businesses, but it is important. Uh, second of it, you know, it would be important to have a normal, you know, uh, legislation regarding COVID and all the issues that we have nowadays because everybody's concerned about all the regulations and all the lockdowns and uh, with the city uh, taking over the provincial um, uh, powers you know and just enforcing stricter rules and uh, having no health authority over these rules 
So this will be an important thing to to make sure you know to push a coherent uh, program at the province with the uh, points, uh, very concrete points, and make sure that all the uh, businesses are uh, abiding by the same uh, by the same rules. So um, and for sure, developing a plan for uh, tough times like now we have no plan for whatever happened with the oil crash and with the covid so this is why downtown looks the way it, it looks so with a plan for stuff that never happened before we can shelter better the small businesses thank you thank you so much john Teresa, a minute and 30 seconds and i will say this to all candidates if you would like me to repeat the question i am okay with doing that but if you don't then you can answer it away minute 30 seconds to use Teresa, whenever you're ready thank you i plan on supporting all businesses not only within our ward but within the whole city um as your counselor for ward 12 i'll be present to pro i'll be present to properly represent the businesses within our work and community businesses are our backbone and economic driver within all of our communities here in Calgary, and especially within Ward 12. Businesses too have a voice, and they too need action and need to be heard. All businesses currently are now experiencing all challenges due to our economic times, and our work with their needs to ensure that we can keep our doors open. We have to look at uh, innovative ways of taxing assistance if we need to for any businesses that we have. I know currently I work part-time as a, at a local business here within Ward 12, and our needs have gone up astronomically just by managing even just uh, certain different aspects due to the change in the economic times as well. So therefore, it's it's time that they, they have their voices heard and uh, keeping our employees safe and driving more and more businesses, allowing them to come into our ward and by working with other wards and communities to gain uh, more of an open-minded thought so that we can actually attract more businesses and build more opportunities here within our ward. So that's basically all I have to say. Just want to be the voice and be heard and work with people together in order to get what we need and employment happening within our ward 12. Thank you. Thank you. Mike, a uh, minute and 30 seconds whenever you're ready. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Um, I think with just uh, supporting small businesses, not only in Ward 12, but across the city, uh, there's two things really that I would like to focus on. And one is taxes. Uh, in last year for 2020, the uh, business or the non-residential tax rate uh, was capped at a, an increase of 10%. Uh, if taxes are going to go up at a cap rate of 10% every year, you're going to see doubling of your taxes in around seven years when that compounds. And that is going to be very tough for small businesses to endure. So we need to do the best we can um, to find those efficiencies. And all we need to do is find 1% in our operating budget to keep that tax rate at zero for small businesses. The second thing I like to address for small businesses is that they need to be able to draw their customers and their patrons from a larger area, not just from a five or 10 minute walk around. They need to be able to draw from a little bit further out. So we need to make sure that we keep things like parking available for, for the businesses. The city recognized this during COVID when they relaxed some of their parking restrictions uh, for businesses so that customers could, could pick up items in a retail or food type environment. But we need to address that for small businesses and not overdevelop their, their uh, industrial or uh, commercial complexes 
so that customers can actually get there and patronize their business. Thank you. Thank you so much. And next we will go with Evan, a minute and 30 seconds, whenever you're ready. Oh, sorry, sorry, I apologize, Stephen. I apologize, I skipped you there, Stephen. I do apologize. <laughs> Stephen, a minute and 30 seconds to whenever you're ready. It's all good, Chris, thank you. Um, so I, I have uh, firsthand experience in, in the business sector. Um, uh, yeah, having my own tech startup and running a family business, I know how challenging it can be. And I think uh, support needs to be there for all businesses throughout Calgary. Uh, whether that's looking at uh, tax, uh, short-term tax incentives and grants and just helping small businesses out. I do know that there are some programs available, but uh, uh, maybe they're not uh, to the extent that we would like them as business owners. Um, I know from also my tech startup, how challenging it can be to have, um, to finding and having resources for us to, uh, even get get our idea off the ground. So uh, we definitely need to support small businesses as they are the main uh, economic driver as well in the city. Um, and uh, I would love to see more support from them as well. Um, one idea that I've had and thought of too is the Financial Stability Reserve, um, also known as the Rainy Day Fund. There, There is a large amount of money there that could could we could dip into and, and uh, use to help small businesses in the, in the interim um, during our, uh, our, given our economic situation right now. So yeah, that's, that's all what I have for small business. I'll leave it there. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Evan, minute and 30 seconds, whenever you're ready. Thank you, Chris. Um, we're just want to acknowledge we're in a very difficult time right now. Uh, and in the history of our city. Um, there's compounding factors and impacts. Um, these small business owners, that, especially the ones with brick and mortar, um, like the, the small business that, that put in this question, also our homeowners, uh, they're, they're paying bills um, and they're getting hit with the increases on both sides. Um, we're, how do we get here? I mean, we saw massive tax increases in the non-residential from 2016 to 2019, just off of the heels of us losing over that $60 billion in oil and gas revenue from 2014 to 2016. Um, getting out of this situation we're in uh, is going to take patience, it is going to take compassion, and it is going to take some ingenuity and some innovation. Um, I will absolutely be pushing for business tax relief. Um, when I think of um, some of the promises that have been shared at the door, I'm a little concerned that uh, there are, you know, property taxes, personal property taxes are being pushed um, when it really is our business community that needs the relief. Um, it's going to help us in the long run to find that. And I want to do things with our regulatory environment, like the bringing four to eight weeks down to two weeks for the patios and make sure our archaic land love, our land use bylaw is adapted to allow our businesses to be creative and how they respond to the challenges that they're facing. Thank you. Michael, minute and 30 seconds to yourself. Okay, so as a digital marketer, I'm actually used to helping small businesses. It's actually what I do every day. The biggest challenge that we've got is first off, we need to listen and consult with these small business owners. Every business is gonna be different, their needs will be different. But in the long term, what businesses need is access to customers. So what that what we need to do 
to improve that is we do need to add additional density so that there are more people living around these businesses. More people, more customers, more money for these businesses. If you take a look at West End Village that has a high level of density and is a walkable community, those small businesses are they're doing okay. Pandemic's a bit tough, but they're doing all right. That's step one. Step two is, as everyone keeps mentioning, taxes are going up. Taxes are going up because our downtown is empty. And realistically, the best thing that we can do as a city is to start investing heavier into economic stimulus programs that will attract new business and new industry to our city. Because if we can start filling up that downtown vacancy rate, that will help bring up property taxes for the city of Calgary by increasing the tax base and not necessarily increasing the tax rate for everybody. But that is a long-term solution. As Evan said, it's going to take patience. It's going to take compassion. We need to take our time to actually start doing the things that we need to, to do to fix Calgary's economy. And by doing that, we will be able to improve the long-term economic prosperity of Calgary, small businesses. And uh, in the short term, yes, we do need to have relief for businesses. Thank you. And last uh, for this question, we go to Craig. Craig? Minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready. Yeah, I, I'm not just door knocking uh, residential homes. I'm door knocking businesses as well. And as the former executive director of the Progressive Group for Independent Business, Calgary's largest business and taxpayer group, I've been doing things for business. I understand what the business community wants. In fact, it was our efforts with the getbacktowork.ca that uh, was responsible for some of the grants uh, and whatnot that uh, the UCP government uh, gave to SMEs. And the businesses are telling me on a regular basis, the problem is the taxes, the non-residential property taxes. When I have members like my, mine uh, that went under, like worse, they were paying uh, 34,000 bucks a, a month in business property taxes before even meeting payroll. And there's a lot of frustration out there. Uh, our organization has received a, an award from the city of Calgary for our uh, cut red tapes initiatives. And I've been doing uh, representing small business and uh, mid-sized businesses for many, many years. The reality of the situation is we need people who've actually met payroll, signed the front of a check, understand what the business community wants to manage the corporation called the city of Calgary. And I, I bring that experience to the table. And I'm, I'm also setting up a business advisory council. Uh, if I do become the city councilor to constantly connect with the businesses. Now, in order to have a business managed properly, we need to send business people to do so. And we've been sending a lot of people with inexperience. And if you want to know what inexperience looks like, just look at Mr. Dress up in Ottawa, see how he's doing for our country. Thank you so much. Greatly appreciate it. And thank you all candidates for sticking to that minute and 30 seconds. Uh, we are on to topic number two, which is uh, going to be addressed first to Teresa. And this is around policing and safety. Now, as you can imagine, policing in, uh, has is a big topic in Ward 12. I'm assuming you're hearing about it at the door. So we are actually putting two questions that we got into one. So hopefully you guys are ready for this. And if you want me to repeat the questions, I can do that. So these questions are from Clint and April. What is your position on the Calgary Police Service, its funding, mandate, and response to rising property crime in Ward 12? Also, do you support or will you start discussing a new police detachment station in the southeast? Minute and 30 seconds. I remind everyone to, if you're not speaking, just have your mics muted. And we will start with Teresa. Minute and 30 seconds, whenever you're ready. 
Thank you for the great questions. Uh, safety is was part of my 2017 campaign and is still part of my 2021 campaign. That shows goes to show that this Ward 12 still has these outstanding issues. So police funding in Ward 12, it, um, my solution is to collaborate with administration. The new mayor and councillors should create a program to protect citizens within Ward 12. As the uh, party said that they had been uh, asked that we did we did see a cry, crime raises rising in Ward 12 for sure. So we need to engage with the police services to find the best solution to put a situation for our ward based on statistics. Our, our, as we are currently dealing with limited funds, we need to be mindful and creative, think outside of the box. It would be harder to serve a large ward that is outward than upwards. When the city is vibrant, there is more money and don't get as much, we can get, don't think about as much things. I've been, I've been since 2017 building relations with city administration, future councillors and mayor candidates, and of course with the police services. I find that this has um, been a problem we've had for well over the four year time. Our police department is within Mindapur, which is uh, division six, and they come across the bridge, which is under construction on 22X there. And it takes about 20 to 25 minutes longer for us to get a police service here. Mind you, we do have boots on the ground, but it's not enough. My neighbors were also part of uh, that, trying to get chase people away from their cars and stuff as well. So we can't have that. Thank you. Thank you so much, Teresa. We next go to Mike next, minute and 30 seconds, whenever you're ready. Way better when I'm on mute, thanks. Um, yeah, there's a lot in that question. Uh, I believe it started out with the position on Calgary Police Service and funding the police. Um, like a lot of people in Calgary, I acknowledge that there may be some types of calls that are better responded to or in alternate ways than from what we're doing now. Uh, we're, they're currently looking at alternative service methods to respond to those calls and, and, and I'm for supporting that. However, I think that we should have a plan in place and, and, and let it go for a little while before we actually start taking funds away from the police. Once we have that model in place for those alternate response methods to those types of calls, then it makes sense to know, we'll know how much uh, it, it is reducing the, the amount of calls that the CPS is making. And if necessary, we can then adjust the budgets accordingly. Um, the other, I believe, was in response to in Ward 12. And we currently have a, a multi-service facility located in Seton in Ward 12. And rather than spending the money to build a brand new facility and a station, I would certainly be supporting and advocating for an increase in our police presence or working out of the multi-service facility in Seton so that we can provide, provide faster response times to the citizens in our ward. Thanks. Thank you. Stephen, minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready. Thank you, Chris. Um, so this is a timely question because my my neighbors here in Seton actually um, had his motorcycle stolen right out of his garage. Uh, and probably a couple of days ago, a um, bunch of bottles were stolen off of off of another neighbor's porch in Seton and then uh, a break and entering attempt in Mahogany. So definitely policing is is something that I support and safer communities is part of my platform here. And we definitely need more resources for our, our police officers. I have personal friends that are in District 1 and in traffic as well. And 
Um, they, they're always telling me how they're um, short-staffed, and I would love to see more resources either um, provided to our police departments and, and figure out uh, efficiencies as well. Uh, one thing that I, I am against in this whole movement about defund the police, uh, I definitely am not on board with that. I think we need every dollar to ensure public safety and to keep our communities safe. And as Mike said, there is a, a satellite uh, office here right in uh, Seton. Um, however, uh, I would love to see that be transitioned into a actual police station so that response times are uh, lower. Uh, I've mapped it out and uh, the district aid office, uh, the response time is is 10 minutes roughly. And if you needed to get a criminal background check, it's uh, a, a quite a far drive and, and on transit, it's over 50 minutes. So I think it'd be Thanks. helpful to have a district uh, station. Thank you Thank so you. much, Stephen. Um, Evan, minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready. Thanks, Chris. Uh, one of the things I've definitely noticed when I've been out on the doors is I'm running into a lot of tired public servants. Um, things are stretched thin right now in Calgary, and police officers are definitely among that. Uh, I would want to see uh, increased service if possible, and I do think um, having having a physical location would allow us to better allocate the, the human capital, the full-time employees that we have within the police service. So I don't know exactly um, what I would do, but I, I like the idea of maybe like a tax increment financing um, that the developers enter into with the surrounding housing and businesses to uh, pay off uh, a new facility um, over a stretch of time. Uh, I think that could work quite well. Um, Beyond that, though, I think there are a lot of things that we can do as residents to um, get involved in ways that is not vigilanteism, uh, to take safety into our own hands and to help create uh, great, great feelings of safety within our neighborhoods. Um, there's a Pelian principle number seven says that the police are the only uh, citizens that are set aside full time to advocate for our safety. And we can do a lot if we organize our blocks um, just to look out for each other and to, to make sure that crime is pushed out. Um, also, there's off opportunities for us to explore with utilizing technology to better pinpoint the resources we do have. Thanks. Thank you so much. Michael, minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready. Okay, so we need to make Ward 12 a safer community. But first, before we can do that, we have to acknowledge that a lot of crime is currently, the, the reason why we have property crime increasing is because of the economic situation here in Calgary. So step one, obviously, we need to fix the economy. If people are, are back to work, they're making money, we do see less crime. We also need to tackle addictions and mental health and homelessness because, again, those are also contributors to crime as people try to survive when they have nothing. Now, um, moving on from that, in order to help increase safety without necessarily spending money, one thing we need to do as well is we need to build trust with the police. There are a number of people within Ward 12 that I've spoken with who don't always believe the police are actually working with them and they don't necessarily trust them. So we need to make sure that one, people trust the police and two, when something does happen, that they are communicating with the police so that the police are aware that that crime is happening. Secondly, I would absolutely support a dedicated police detachment here in Ward 12. I'm 
as Stephen said, the other detachment is far away. Plus, as we continue to grow, we will need to make sure that we have a dedicated police detachment here. So absolutely, um, Evan's got some great ideas for funding, but I still think the, the best idea is to make sure that we are improving the economy so that there is less crime, that we're building trust and we're building communication. Thank you so Thank you. much. And next will be Craig, a minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready. Yeah, thank you. Um, I, unlike what Evan suggested, I don't think tax hikes are the solution to um, anything like that at all. What I think we should do with the police service is uh, have them actually fight crime. And let's get bylaw officers or peace officers to write tickets and do traffic. We really need to ensure that our people are looked after in Ward 12. And I don't agree with the defunding the police like uh, our certain city councillor voted to as Common Sense Calgary revealed our our current city councillor voted for that. That's not what we need to do. That's that's the complete opposite. We need change. We need people who respect the rule of law and we need people to, with that have solutions. My entire platform will be released on uh, Sunday uh, on my website. It addresses this as well. It addresses uh, policing issues and I think our, our police service, which is one of the most respected police services on the face of the planet, um, we have a very high uh, endorsement uh, rate for to, from from residents towards uh, our Calgary Police Service. So let, let's help them fight crime by actually putting them to work to fight crime, and let's uh, you know put bylaw officers and peace officers writing tickets. Let's just refocus how this thing operates and let's not cut the police budget like Nenshi and his crew have been doing before. And let's not cut the firefighters either. I mean, the front line needs to be supported. And anyone affiliated with any of these city councillors that have been voting this way should not be voted in as well because it's not change. It's the same thing. We need to change, folks. Thank you so much. And last on this topic will be John. John, minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready. Thanks, Chris. So as a part of the community association, just before this um, COVID pandemic started, you know, we we had a very nice program with the police being part of our meetings. You know, they were public meetings and everybody who had a real issue in the community, we let them know and they could have pop up and just have a safe, uh, in a safe environment, you know, no pressure, nothing, just to talk with the police. You know, we, we got to meet a lot of representatives, you know, a lot of professionals, we still keep in touch. They, they are our representatives for, I mean, voicing our concerns. And uh, they were awesome in what they were doing. It was a lot of discrepancies between um, what you see on Facebook uh, information and what uh, actually happens every month. You know, uh, it's, it's a lot about where you get your sources. But I see like the main issue, it's like everywhere else, you know, coordination. You have people with boots on the ground and you have an incident that you see in news, you call those guys with boots on the ground, those nice professionals, and when they tell you the what's happening behind the scenes, you know, and what the incident was all about and how they would solve it, you realize that you don't really have a politician who went to talk with those people and find real solutions, you know, from, from the ground up. So it's like they stage resources because of poor coordination. Yeah, the budget was what it was, you know, was voted, was voted to cut, not to cut. And after that, they took some intended decisions, but let's hope we can fix it. Thank you. Thank you so much, John. Greatly appreciate it. 
Thank you, everyone. Moving on to topic three, and this we will start with Mike on this issue. And I apologize right now if I pronounce this gentleman's name incorrectly who submitted this question. This question is from Edward. Edward. Uh, it's not, I'm just going to leave it at that. And I apologize if you want to send me mail. There's a contact form on my on my website. If elected, what will you focus on in our war? Sorry, if elected, what will you focus on in our ward in regards to improving the amount and quality of community services to residents? Uh, so he goes on to say free community swimming pools, more public libraries, free community vegetable gardens, free events. Uh, this could lead to improving the quality of life in Ward 12. What is your opinion on improving the quality of life in Ward 12? Mike, minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready. Thanks for the question, Chris um, and Edward. The, uh, uh, there's a number of things we can do. And in terms of improving quality of life in or in conjunction with development, I think we're seeing some of that now with some of the newest development that's happening in Ward 12. If anybody's had a chance to go out and visit the new neighborhood of Rangeview, um, there's only, I'm going to say, a dozen houses or less built there uh, that started with the, the, uh, the community, but they've already got uh, a nice playground. Um, they've got some garden boxes uh, in each of the properties, uh, and it's really started out quite well. We're lucky in Ward 12 in that we have a lot of facilities. We have the world's largest YMCA, I believe it is. We have a, a uh, outlet of the Calgary Public Library are, and that a lot of other wards don't have, but we can do more. We have some land that's empty right now and we have a, uh, there's an initiative ongoing right now in Auburn Bay where they've uh, taken and they're going to have some community gardens there and to use some of the unused land. So uh, that will certainly improve the uh, situation for the residents there. And I'd like to see that expanded out to some of the other uh, neighborhoods in the ward that have the land available as well. Thanks. Thank you. Minute and 30 seconds to yourself, Stephen, whenever you're ready. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I'd like to address maybe two issues that I've heard of um, in terms of livability too um, within Ward 12, um, specifically um, knocking doors in Copperfield, New Brighton, I, I, and even to some extent Mackenzie Town. I've heard of um, residents complaining of odor issues, and that's some of the things that we need to tackle as well. I mean, if we want to live in Ward 12, we, we definitely want to live uh, odor free, and uh, some some of those. Uh, are coming from the uh, salt uh, alkaline ponds and uh, possibly from the compost facility as well. So those are some of the things that we need to address. Um, and for pet owners, especially dog owners, I've heard of foxtails being an issue. It is an issue in, in mahogany and seton. Uh, and those are some the, the issues that we need to address for, for that. And in terms of uh, community uh, garden boxes. I've seen uh, that in Auburn Bay, they have a community initiative for uh, community gardens. And we definitely have that opportunity in all of our communities to set something up like that. And and uh, as Mike alluded to as well, that Rangeview is a great community um, with houses that it's a garden to table and it's first of its kind in, in Canada here. So uh, we need more initiatives like that. Thank you. Thank you. 
Evan, minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready. Thank you, Chris. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is an interesting one. Uh, I think if I was going to spend some money, which the city doesn't have a lot of right now, to improve a quality of life or a livability issue um, for us, uh, Seton is without um, their their park right in the, the center by the hospital there, and it has sat fallow for quite a while. I would love to see some some granting happen around that, maybe even some um, participatory granting where a neighbors get involved and think about the future of what they would like to see there and maybe even kitty in with their own resources that could get really exciting. Uh, another thing that I've heard about that could potentially have outsized value for the amount of resources that we spend would be putting something like a cricket pitch um, down in the deep uh, Southeast, maybe next to the high school and uh, um, you know, our YMCA. Uh, you have to drive a long way to go find something else like that within our city. Um, so I think that would serve a, a great cross-section of our city. I am definitely in uh, cahoots with uh, Mike there on the community gardens and Steven talking about that. I think that's a small investment for big gain. Um, and then also as Steven has mentioned, and I'm sure Michael will after me, like we, and which is, this is great about the door knocking. We've really, and the, the counselors that are running the foxtail, the smells, um, the safety issues, 130th, all of these things um, we're hearing and we're encapsulating and hopefully Ward 12 will be well served as soon as we have the resources to tackle those projects and improve the quality of life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Evan. Michael, minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you are ready. Okay, so we need to improve the quality of services in the community. So one thing that we're sorely missing is actually activities for kids. Uh, we don't have enough a teenager or adult, or sorry, not teen, not adult, but teenager activity. So whether it's a skate park or some other form of activity park or even dedicated space for kids in Ward 12 to play basketball, we are lacking that. Those are things that we sorely need. But always remember the funding has to come from somewhere, whether it's uh, taxes, grants, we need that money in order to build these things. So keep that in mind, but definitely I do wanna see more activities built for kids because we do see a lot of kids getting to mischief here in Ward 12. And I think if there was more activities for them to engage in, they would probably be a little bit more well-behaved. Uh, secondly, bringing up the issue of Foxtail, I have started a petition and I have been trying to work with the province and the current city council to get Foxtail under control. It, a bylaw does need to be passed before any form of control can be done on Foxtail. Uh, so currently working on that, um, it looks like the new council is going to have to pass that bylaw. So I look forward to doing that. Uh, as for community gardens and that sort of thing, uh, Jennifer Reinbold, one of the people working on the community gardens, has done a fantastic, fantastic job. I would love to see people within every community in Ward 12 take the things that they're good at and find ways to bring those those amenities to other communities. So Jennifer could help with starting community gardens in every suburb. Thank, thank you so much. Minute and 30 seconds to yourself, Craig, whenever you are ready. Yeah, well, first off, I'd be working with a lot of different community associations and groups. Like Therese and I serve on one in Mackenzie Town. And uh, I think reaching out to those types of individuals and groups are, are, the, are a good way to go. Uh, Foxtail is an issue. I walk my dog literally every day uh, at an Auburn Park. We go to the, the dog park there. Um, but stench mitigation, McIver didn't even fix it. Or Johnson didn't fix it. 
Keating sure didn't fix it. So Keating's office, you know, uh, it, it's been ridiculous how long stents mitigation has been an issue in Ward 12. And somebody needs to do something about it. And I'll, I'll push to do so. But also quality of life is things like having access from 88th and mahogany or punching through 130th. That, that will also increase the quality of life, too, because people can spend less time on the roads and actually get home. And those are the types of things I'd like to focus on or things that are going to help everyone, you know, be able to spend more time with their family and loved ones. And when it comes to maybe uh, developments like uh, baseball diamonds or whatever, I would, I don't want to use tax dollars. I would reach out to the business community, uh, which I have deep contacts and try to get sponsorships in order to get it done and work with the city in that regard. Taxes aren't always the solution. And that's the problem. We need a change of mindset, not the same old, same old. We need to do things differently. And that can start by electing Craig Chandler on October 18th. Thank you so much. You guys are doing excellent. I might not be able to go into a rapid fire for one uh, quick uh, unprepared question. But next we will ask, go with John, minute and 30 seconds, whenever you're ready. Thank you. So my answer to Eduardo would be the, you know, for the fine tunes and quality of life in his neighborhood, you know, take a great idea, put some time in it, do some volunteering, get some neighbors behind it, go to the community association and see what you can get. You know, this is the best way. One voice won't solve anything. And uh, yes, from my experience at the community association, the city was pretty good with resources and grants and all kinds of uh, information. At one point years ago, you know, <laughs> we tried for one year and a half to get a community garden done when we had a stack of documents and everything was ready to go. The one or two volunteers who wanted this disappeared and nobody else wanted to take over. So let's not forget in, in all this, you need people to make it run. You know, you need, you need volunteering. There's so much resources you can ask from the city. I mean, uh, paid employees and everything else. So yeah, uh, great. I said great ideas. You need to run them by your neighbors first. You know, if, if you have a good idea and uh, you think you, it, can, it can be good for everybody, just try to get feedback from your neighbors. Sometimes it's not what you think. You know, getting an idea on the table, yeah, it's going to get a lot of backslash sometime, but this is how things get done. So that's why I I decided to support a lot of community association and to make them really strong voices and to make people aware that this is the first step where you can filter your problems. Thank you. Thank you. And to end this topic, we will go on to uh, Teresa. One minute Thanks, and 30 Chris. seconds to yourself, Teresa. We're blessed within Ward 12 to have a multicultural young, established and seniors within our communities. We have a vibrant and sense of pride. However, we've been promised over many, many elections that we will have a green line here. This is gonna be very part, important for us to one day finally get that green line to come here. So as Craig said, we can have access to some of our amenities we have within our ward, such as the train going straight down to Seton, we can then go swimming at the new YMCA instead of being stuck in traffic. Um, we also need groups within Ward 12. We, when I'm out on the streets with my Talk with Teresa show, the seniors are asking for a place where they can go and just meet up. We have a lot of seniors within Mackenzie Town who don't just live in the seniors' residence, but they live within their own homes and they have no place to go. So they sit in the coffee shop and that's where they go. Our teens also need a place to go. And they too need to have a, a sense of security and a place that they can express their creativity. 
And same with our little youngsters, they need a place to go as well. Currently, we're working with our community association to create a cost-minded, budget-friendly programs for all ages. And don't forget, we also have businesses also that are local that are doing things for our, our whole community, family-oriented and young, old and all. And they, we have such things as movie in the park. Uh, we have uh, the food trucks. We have um, other um, garden centers here as well. Like in on High Street, we actually have bees on all the roofs that are creating honey. And we have one on the Sobe store as well. It's got uh, two hives there. So I think we're doing quite a bit of things for our cheap Thank you more. so much, Teresa. We're moving on to topic number four, and this question is going to start with Stephen, and this is about city budget, and it comes from Derek. Derek would like to know, what specific policies or actions will you introduce in order to ensure that Calgary's operational budget does not continue to outpace the city's revenue? Whenever you're ready, Stephen, minute and 30 seconds to yourself. All right. Thanks, Chris. And thanks, Derek, for that question. Uh, I'd like to state first and foremost, I think the city administration has been mismanaging our tax dollars. You look at the surplus that they had last year. They did post initially $98 million. And then further uh, later on, they revised that to $219 million in surplus. And I did quick math on this. It's about, almost about $550 for a family of four. Uh, so that just tells me that they're overtaxing us. And and they need to either um, lower our taxes or figure a way to um, make that make that better for all families and in individuals in, in Calgary here. Uh, one of the big things that uh, I propose, and I'm sure it might be in a few other candidates uh, platform here, is zero based reviews. I'd love to see our uh, city implement those uh, recommendations on the reports that have come out. And it's more of a surgical precision that we go in to analyze the city budget and each department head and figure out what efficiencies that can be found, uh, just like running a small business, you got to find efficiencies and make sure that every dollar counts. These are tax dollars that that we're talking about after all. And um, the solution is not to increase taxes on everyone just to, to make things work at the city. So I'll leave it there. Thank you. Thank you, Evan. Minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you are ready. Uh, I think one of the specific policies I would be looking to implement is a uh, cap it at a cost of living increase year over year. Um, especially over this short term here, we, we need to make sure that we, we write the ship um, and we make sure that um, we find our new equilibrium as the city and the revenue structure right now is still attempting to do that. We still are having to use the phase tax program uh, to ensure that our business community can kind of survive through this tough season that we're in. Um, certainly another thing I want to do and sooner rather than later is address that phase tax program. Right now we are creating um, what I've heard called as a, a bow wave. We're pushing off the financial reckoning of our current um, budgeting into years down the road and pulling money continually out of the fiscal stability reserve, the slush, the slush fund that Stephen um, talked about. Um, I'm definitely on board with making sure that we use that zero-based uh, review model as often as we need to find the, the savings that we need to make sure that we aren't um, bringing increases to our budgeting. And then I also think it's important for us to really start to think about a new revenue model. 
certainly a little bit outside of the purview of city council, but it is something, a conversation we need to have with the province to ensure that the future economy and um, our new revenue model can, can sync up. So um, that's something I'll be looking into. Thank you so much, Michael. Minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you are ready. Okay, so we need to make sure that the city's expenses is not outgrowing its revenues. So first off, I do believe the city actually already does perform zero-based budget reviews already. So that that is not something new. Secondly, to be perfectly blunt, the way to end and make sure that our expenses aren't outgrowing our revenues is to end urban sprawl. We keep building these communities that are primarily comprised over 60% of single family homes. And I know that's going to bother some people, but the problem is when you build low density communities, they still have to install infrastructure. Now the developers are supposed to pay the majority of the infrastructure installation, if not all of it. But what happens is over a period of 20 to 25 years, even sooner, when roads need to be repaired, infrastructure needs to be replaced. And when you need services like snow plowing, what ends up happening is you've built out this great big sprawling community and there is not enough density or not enough property tax revenue being generated per kilometer to appropriately pay to appropriately pay for the replacement value of infrastructure and to appropriately fund services. So to put it bluntly, we need to start doing things differently in Calgary. We need to start building our communities so that they're sustainable. And that's good. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Craig, a minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you are ready. Yeah, as Marcel Latouche from Lead Calgary says, they actually aren't properly implementing zero-based budgeting at the city of Calgary, and we need to do that. That's it's a one thing in my platform as well. It should be in everybody's platform. Um, the, the the budget, I think, it's really important that we elect people that have managed big budgets, such as myself, uh, you know, who've met payroll and signed up front of check. I think that's quite important because we do understand these things. Now, uh, another thing we need to do in, Ernst, in the current Ernst & Young uh, organizational review is not as forensic or as deep as what we would have liked. Uh, our business group is the one who pushed for it. In fact, we pushed for it with uh, Bron Kanye when he was mayor as well. He hired Mercer and Company that came in and they found uh, $10 million in savings a year. Uh, we need to do a deep forensic audit of all departments to find out where we can make some uh, trim some fat. But we really need to have people who don't just have theories, but have to have real life experience. And it, it, it's quite important uh, to manage budgets. I have done that. I think it's important to do that. And we can't talk about tax hikes. We can reduce taxes. We actually can. We just need to look at what our wants and what our needs. And I will communicate with the constituents on a regular basis. I'll be having a, uh, coffee meetings and town halls and uh, regular Zoom meetings on a, uh, all the time to talk to people. Now, now I also have done so by polling thousands of individuals as well. So people want the budget under control. Thank you so much, Craig. John, minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you are ready. Thanks. So I don't talk about policy that I will implement once selected. I will just talk about transparency and accountability, you know? We saw so many expenditures, you know, so strange ones like in the arts department. Now it's not under the city anymore, but how many millions you need to waste and how much public rage you need to get in order to get things changed. And, you know, yet there was no accountability. I mean, we didn't see any 
lost of job or some other reprimands, you know, it's like you are in a in a, in a private company and first mistake or second mistake, you are out. So really accountability is a big thing for things that were done and for things that will be done from here now. We have great uh, literature out there. You know, we have all kinds of studies about the counselor salaries. We have that big report from the Canadian Taxpayer Federation. So we don't need to reinvent the wheel. We don't need to promise stuff that we cannot do. You know, we, we can, I personally, I will just take all the information available now, put it together, you know, gather gather some data from specialists and see what can be done but for sure we need to rebuild a lot of departments in different ways and we have cap capable people i met a lot of capable people dedicated people but really the chain of command kind of holds them back from doing stuff or from giving input so yeah more communication to the lower levels and uh, accountability and transparency thank you thank you so much john Teresa, a minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you are ready. Thank you. I'm going to put my project management hat on at the moment. The costs for our projects are way over budget and are unacceptable to Calgarians and to myself. So speaking as a project management manager, with these overturns, if they would occur within my private sector or any type of business, why is it so acceptable at city level? We need to find innovative ways to reduce costs and make hard decisions to get city projects under control and getting people back to work to build such infrastructure that is required. We also have the SAFE program within City Hall as well. So we need to dig further into that budget and plans and find out is there more ways that we can save even more money? Can we reduce maybe some consultants and start hiring employees that are proud to do their job and want to be there and uh, protect their jobs and uh, have somebody, somebody to be accountable for? We also have to look at the uh, tools and techniques that we're using within the um, city walls some of our aging programs for example we might have one department using four computer programs and those four computer programs are not compatible with anything that's new and we're spending millions of dollars just maintaining them we also need to align our city budget with the provincial budget our budgets are out of alignment we do all of our budgeting in november and the uh, provincial budget does theirs in may therefore we're always six months behind so we have to start working towards and having better communication with our federal and provincial budgets. Thank you. Thank you, Teresa. And the last for this topic will be to Mike. Mike, minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you are ready. Thank you, Chris. Yes, we absolutely need to get uh, the budget under control. Uh, we need to control this graph that you see behind me with the increase we've seen in residential tax rates. Uh, in comparison to the increase in personal income um, in, in the city. The question asked, what are your specific policy, policies that you're gonna to introduce to do this? Um, my specific policy revolves around the SAVE program that's currently underway at City Hall right now. What the SAVE program does or solutions for achieving value and excellence is it is it gathered suggestions from all the uh, administrative employees as well as counselors and in conjunction with a consultant started putting those ideas to work. In 2020, that program generated about 2,500 suggestions, but at the budgeting time, we only implemented 22 of them. So there's a lot of soil to till there yet and advantages to get out of that. My idea to build on that and not reinvent the wheel, but to build on that hard work is to take and open up that plan to suggestions from residents. 
as well as members of the business community, because that's going to be become even larger a pool or base or funnel of ideas that we can put in place. I'm confident that we will be able to get enough savings out of this program to reduce our tax increases to zero for both residential and residential taxes, and maybe even return some money to the community associations to spend as they see fit in their communities. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now this next, we are uh, on topic number five. And this question we are starting with Evan and it's posed by Ian. And I do apologize, I've lost my spot here. And I, I, I feel like I should have had this uh, acronym uh, better prepared, but for some reason I did not. So Evan, hopefully you know what this means by this question. How will you go about getting the delayed green line built out to the SHC by 2025? Minute and 30 seconds to yourself. Uh, health campus, I believe, is what that is. Um, there you go. So, a minute and thirty seconds to yourself on this. There topic. we go. go okay. Um, I mean, we're we're in a place right now where we have um, a good chunk of the funding that's needed for this critical infrastructure project, and um, certainly, it's going to be incumbent on us as uh, councillors in the deep southeast to push hard to make sure that that line gets to. Seaton in as most expeditious of a fashion as possible. One of the things I want to avoid is um, starting right away in an antagonistic battle with uh, a city councilor in Ward 3 or another part of the city that we start fighting each other from the get-go uh, to get access to those funds. Um, I think we need to come up with a collaborative process and work together as city council to um, re again ignite advocacy uh, resident advocacy, talk about the great um, implications of this project. Uh, Michael did a great job kind of laying out sprawl. One of the great reasons, one of the best reasons to fight sprawl and one of the best ways to do that is to change how you develop your city. Um, public infrastructure projects like the Green Line incentivizes density and mixed usage and pulls us out of that infrastructure gap slowly but surely. So I think ultimately we need to get away from the fighting. Um, we've been fighting over this project too long. There's delays attached to that, which means there's money attached to that. So let's not fight the other part, um, the, you know, the North. Let's work together and for a win for all Calgarians. Thank you so much. Sorry about that. My dog was barking, so I did mute myself there. Um, next, we will start with, uh, next we'll go to Michael. Uh, Michael, a minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready. So I absolutely agree with Evan. We need to have a collaborative approach on council. The best way to get the green line built as fast as possible is to avoid combat. We need to make sure that when we're discussing solutions that we are understanding the pains of every Calgarian. If we understand the pains of every person in every ward, when we go to council, we'll actually be able to have good constructive conversations that will allow for us to get access to that funding, get the green line built, and also address the issues of the other wards. Um, the green line isn't just gonna benefit Ward 12, it's gonna benefit all of Calgary. A city will only function well if you have a great transit system. Now, obviously we do work fairly well without one, but I'm meaning in the long-term. When the city grows to over 2 million people and we have a lot more cars on the road, if we don't have alternative transit options to, give people an option to get to work, 
we're going to be in a bad place. I mean, hitting going on Deerfoot at three o'clock is already pretty crazy. So if the city grows to 2 million people, it's going to be crazier. So yes, we do. Absolutely. We need to get the combat out of the green line. We need to get it built. We need to do it collaboratively. And we also need to make sure that we have really good communication with the province and the federal levels of government because they are our partners in getting this built. Thank you. Thank you so much. Next, we will go to Craig for a minute and 30 seconds whenever you are ready. Yeah, we definitely need to to lobby a more aggressively uh, and have somebody who's representing Ward 12. My focus is Ward 12 first, because that's what we're running for is, is Ward 12. Now, we do need to work with other city councillors, of course, to do that. I have a, a proven track record of actually doing that. One of my best friends, a lot of people don't realize, is Councillor Carr. And he's quite left wing, actually, but we get along. There's a lot of people you'd have a drink with but wouldn't vote for, but you can be friends with. And, uh, you know, we, we do need to work together. Uh, I'm a little upset with what Ron Kanye did when he was mayor and bought up some land and sold it to the city while he was the mayor. Uh, now we have an ethics commissioner post that, which is, which is good. But I've been waiting since 1995. So, so all of us have who have been living in the wards uh, for this long. We need the South Lake done. Uh, I don't know how we don't have transit down to a large hospital like Seaton Health Campus. That's that's unbelievable. And the nurses and, and whatnot I've talked to are even frustrated that the buses aren't coming there when their shifts are are, are off and uh, at the late shifts, and they have to take an Uber, and, and they're frustrated. And then that hasn't even been resolved. And by you know the current city councilor and you know those who 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 worked for him? Uh, we we need some change, and uh, change isn't going to be talk. Uh, change isn't going to happen with more talk. We need action. That's why we need business people elected, so we can get things done and get the city back to business. Thank you so much. Uh, next, we will start with John. Whenever you're ready, John. Minute and thirty seconds to yourself. Thank you. Uh, a lot of people bought houses 20 some years ago in this neighborhood just because of this promise of green green lines so yeah it's it's one of the my priorities but can i promise you it's going to be done when we are working on it for 20 some years i cannot really promise this the only promise i can make is like i'm going to keep the pressure on and try to work with everybody around the city because being such a big pro project you know even if you want to prioritize and say, okay, we're 12 first, uh, it's, it's out of reach because there's so much money involved and uh, the scope of the project is such is broad and it's, it's difficult to do it. But, you know, we have a chunk of the money to start it. Things are looking better now, thanks to the promises from the federal campaign. So um, what can I say? Let's hope that the project will still go on. And uh, like I said, it's, it's a, it's a, good breath of oxygen you know we needed like oxygen for the future really i mean michael was saying about look at deerfoot look at uh, 52 street on at 4 p.m how it looks right now and how it's gonna look in a few years with mahogany extending and sit on extending so yeah it's a top priority on my list and uh, i i plan to keep the pressure on like like it was till now thank you thank you so much john greatly appreciate it Teresa, a minute and 30 seconds Whenever you're ready. Thank you. Uh, when I ran in 2017, the green line was on everyone's mind as well back then. However, it wasn't as bad as it is now. They, we already had funding in place at the time with the provincial and federal government. 
So people were like, okay, it's coming, it's coming. They were promised for over eight to 12 years now that the Green Line was coming. So as previously mentioned, the Green Line is way over budget and is not addressing the needs of Ward 12. When looking at all the Calgarians and working for Transport Canada when I worked at the airport, I saw a need for the train to go to the airport like most major cities. This will also definitely not only help Ward 12, but it'll also have put Calgary back on the map. If you look at uh, major cities like such as Amsterdam, you have a train that takes you right downtown. So you can go enjoy the scenery and, and, the, and the goods and services that the city may offer to them. We, we need to look at the Green Line so that we can travel back and forth down 52nd and, and through the routing that we need. We need to get things to the hospital. However, coming up with the Green Line, we also need to make sure we have the policing and the boots on the ground. And that might also be the, uh, we might also have the transit um, police services as well. Um, when the new red line was extended, um, a friend of mine told me she already noticed that there was people that had access to her home that never had access to her area before. This is still a concern of mine, and it still goes back to the safety and policing services that we require in order to keep Ward 12 safe. And as well as for the, as you mentioned, the people who get off off the late shifts at work and stuff, as I'm one of them, I would like to also make sure that I'm safe if I'm traveling. Thank you. Thank you, Teresa. Mike, a minute and 30 seconds to yourself, whenever you are ready. Yes, to get the green line down to the South Health Campus and to Seton, uh, what we have to do is look at the alternatives. Right now, the alternative is uh, for phase two of the green line in this first part of construction is to cross the river, uh, the Bow River, just uh, out of downtown and go up Center Street to approximately 16th Avenue. There'd be two stops there. To, to make the case for bringing the Green Line to Seton, what we have to do is really focus on the goals of the Green Line. Uh, the, the goal, one of the goals of the Green Line and increased public transit was to improve the environment by taking cars off the road. Um, we, weren't, we won't be taking any cars off the road if we replace bus transit up and down Center Street with uh, with trail with uh, train transit up and down Center Street. So it, it's an argument for Green Line to Seton. Uh, one of the other goals of the Green Line is to connect people and places. Um, the South Health Campus has 2,400 full-time equivalent staff working there, so probably about 3,000 people, and that is certainly a key asset that we need to connect to make best use of that public transit. And the third is to increase the quality of the service. We will see more ridership if we bring the Green Line down into Seton at the South Health Campus than we will if we just transfer ridership from the buses to the train going up Center Street. If we put all those ideas together to show that it makes sense, I'm confident that we can do what we need to do to bring the Green Line down to Seton. Thanks. Thank you, Mike. And last on this topic, we will go to Stephen. Stephen, a minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you are ready. Thanks, Chris. Um, so I think uh, we all can agree that the Green Line is a, a, a need in this area, especially um, having lived in the South here. I, I would I would say that the Ward 12 is probably the fastest growing ward in, in Calgary. And I'm surprised that there isn't uh, transit down here. And when I first bought my home in Auburn Bay in 2010, that was one of the uh, big selling feature. And uh, a project of this scale, uh, stage one, it's it's great that it's coming and we need it to go all the way to the South Health Campus. Um, 
I would love to see this project be done on time and on budget as well and not cost us any more money. And the next council that comes in is going to have to decide between the North leg or the South leg. And, and I would say that the South leg would be a lot uh, cheaper versus the North leg. And, uh, and if not, you know, we could do uh, a BRT even and have that groundwork in place so that it could be converted at a later time to an LRT line. Um, so that's my proposal to basically connect it to the South Health campus if, if the cost is too high, too high for an LRT line in, in, in the interim um, when the next council has to talk about it. Thank you. Thank you so much. We will now turn to topic six, and this question is going to start with Michael. Michael, you get the snow clearing question. This question is from Sandra. Most winters, residential roads are unsafe for pedestrians and motorists due to lack of snow clearing. At times, they are impassable. The current snow clearing plan is inefficient and does not address residential needs. Do you have any plans to change the current city snow clearing policy to improve the efficiency of our tax dollars in the area of snow clearing? Michael, a minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you are ready. All right. So having properly plowed streets and roads is very important. It improves accessibility for everybody, whether you're walking, you're in a wheelchair, or you're driving. If the roads or streets are not plowed properly, like quite literally after a snowstorm, sometimes I can't even leave my house because my car gets snowed in. So in order to improve the efficiency of snow removal, I personally think that we have an opportunity to make better relationships or more relationships with private contractors that live in and around every section of the city. So what we need to do is we need to make sure that city employees can focus on the main routes. And then when it comes to making sure that we have more efficient snow clearing routes, we can hire contractors. And I know we already do hire contractors, but we need to hire more contractors to quickly address heavy snowfalls so that people can walk and get around the communities without slipping on ice or snow. Um, it should also be mentioned as well, we do need to get our neighbors to help each other more. We, there's plenty of people who don't shovel their, their sidewalks. And all I can say is that if one of your neighbors doesn't clear their sidewalk, just do it for them. Be a, be a neighbor. They'll appreciate it. So in short, we do need to hire more contractors to improve the outskirt snow removal that will cost more money. So, and I'll say it again, if we put an end to urban sprawl, we'll be able to increase our revenues without dramatically increasing our expenditures. Thank you. Thank you so much, Michael. Craig, minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you are ready. Actually, contracting out for snow clearing is something that they've been doing in Winnipeg for some time, and uh, it works very effectively. Uh, it also saves them a lot more money. So we don't need to have uh, expenditures. I think the, you know, anything the government does, <laughs> private business can do better. And uh, this doesn't mean privatization, folks. It just means contracting out. Uh, city does that with various things, but we should be looking to do that with um, snow removal. Uh, it's very effective in Winnipeg. 
Um, and even Edmonton is looking at doing a pilot project of it as well. Uh, I've heard from you know Mike Nickel up in there who said that that's something they're looking at also. So we need to do things differently. We need to save money. We need to uh, post COVID all levels of government are a little out of cash. And uh, you know, I just think finding alternatives, working with the business community uh, would be a much more effective option in this particular regard. Perfect. Thank you. John, minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you are ready. Thank you. So this snow is coming back to us every single season, you know, in different forms and shapes. Uh, from my knowledge, I know the city changed a few things around and not for the good. You know, they took a few contracts from the local um, stakeholders like uh, resident associations where we all pay taxes. You know, they were doing an awesome job, but the city took some of those areas. Uh, again, the residents, even us, the community association, when we get the question for some areas, who's in charge with no removal, we have no idea. Uh, we need to ask around for now, for example, even if it's still nice outside, we got a question about those engineer pathworks, you know, between the parks and the uh, sidewalks, and it's whose responsibility. Yeah, you know, it's a great area and it's the homeowner's responsibility. Unfortunately, they can get ticketed if that was is not cleared. You know, the resident association was cleaning it at one point, liability issues and all kinds of other stuff. So for sure, we need to rebuild it. And it's frustrating when people are asking for better services and uh, everybody's asking for snow angel programs and you plead for your neighbors to help. And in the same time, you have a bylaw that forbids the, the small contractor who's willing to put his time and his equipment to volunteer and clean everything. There's a bylaw that forbids him to, to go and clean volunteering in the community just because some incident happened. So we need to look in every single aspect and to rebuild it. For sure, it's not good what's happening right now. Thank you. Thank you so much, John. Teresa, a minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you are ready. Thank you, Sandra, for the question that you posed. I totally feel your pain. I totally understand where you're coming from. Snow clearing in our ward is a huge priority. There has been many winters where we can't even get out of our neighborhoods and we've lost car parts that we find in the spring. This is very unsafe for all, especially if we need our first responders to get to our homes. So I propose, like I know we work with um, our community association and they do some of the work um, with the city to help keep our community safe and clean is maybe that we can start to having our community associations take some of the help us where we can and work with the city to come up with the liability issues and uh, opportunities for them to do that. We also um, need to start looking at um, the snow angel program a little bit more. Uh, we, I shovel my neighbors walk, they shovel mine, especially if we're not around or we're busy because we all have busy lives. So I know in my neighborhood and on my street that works for all of us. And we uh, also need to try to find ways to look at our priority routing. Do we need to do downtown first when you can't even get downtown because your buses are trapped and your homes and you can't even get out of your homes. So maybe there's our ideas that we can start looking at the priority routing of snow removal and uh, see how we can manage that to be better for us. Maybe look at something like start with 52nd and, and Deerfoot's already up under the Alberta government and then continue working within our neighborhoods from there. So there's a lot of different opportunities to look at when we get into the budgets and ideas. Thank you, Sandra, for your question. Thank you, Teresa. Mike, a minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you are ready. 
Thank you, Chris. I believe the question was, uh, do you have any plans to change the snow clearing policy? And the answer to that would be yes. Uh, in Ward 12, we have a number of uh, condemned higher density neighborhoods where the roads are, are quite narrow. And once the vehicles are parked, it's almost impossible for two cars to pass in the summertime, let alone the wintertime when we get a snow event like we did just before last Christmas. I would like to see a policy put in place where when we have a major snow event like that, we activate those extra services and those outside contractors if necessary, combined with a way to have this, allow citizens to do some extra clearing when they have the resources as well, so that we can get out of these neighborhoods for sure. Um, the, uh, uh, I don't want to get anybody too upset, but if you look at our budget line from last year in 2020, which included the major snow event we had, uh, transportation, which includes snow removal, actually came in at $78 million under budget expenditures for the year. Very disappointing news to hear when people are trapped in their neighborhoods. So I think we've got room to implement a policy to run a plow down and maybe not a plow, but a front end loader and get those narrow streets cleared out during those extreme events. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Stephen, minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you are ready. Yes, so I, I really think that we should explore uh, public-private private partnerships um, or contractors as well and, and hiring them to assist the city in clearing snow. Um, not only is that going to help with accessibility, but it also delivers a higher um, level of service to all Calgarians and, and the taxpayers here. Um, I think it is very important that we we make it so that our roads are safe and, and accessible for all. So uh, I love how the city has done pilot projects and maybe this is one of those that we can explore and, and experiment and figure out if a public and private uh, partnership actually works for the city and if it's beneficial to the city and then proceeding from there. Thank you. Okay, and last will be to Evan, minute and 30 seconds to yourself. Yeah, snow clearing uh, is an interesting one. Uh, it's also very expensive. Um, so um, Winnipeg was referenced, Winnipeg pays a lot of tax. Um, uh, I'm sure part of that goes to those private contractors. So um, Ward 12 just isn't well served by the seven day snow plan uh, at all. Uh, it prioritizes main routes, which it has to, but what it has is kind of a lack of nimbleness in it to be able to target troublesome areas. So um, I've heard of neighbors waking up at 2 a.m. in the morning as trucks are kind of doing their obligatory pass down their side streets. And I would like to see this changed. Um, I've also uh, had reports um, when I was working in the council's office of uh, a family calling 311 again and again, asking for their little section to be plowed because they had special needs. Uh, and their little bus couldn't get in to pick up uh, their son, and the city was unable to respond. Uh, so that lack of nimbleness is a problem. Um, I think we need a regionalized approach. We need to rethink that seven-day snow plan. That would be the policy change I would suggest. Um, break it out into smaller regions across the city to be able to target those resources better, the ones that we do have. Um, I do also think that we need to incorporate the private sector, um, but I, beyond that, I think we should be incorporating Calgarians and in, in just in general. Um, we can accept a little more risk, um, have people sign indemnity waivers uh, and teach them how to not run into a fire hydrant 
and then work together uh, to get out of those snow events. Thank you, everyone, for that. Now, if you guys will indulge me, uh, you guys were not prepared for this, but I'm going to ask you a 30-second question, starting with Craig. And this is just a quick question if you guys want to answer this. 30 seconds to each one of you in alphabetical order, with starting with Craig. Name your top priority that you want to tackle if elected on October 18th. 30 seconds. Craig, whenever you're ready. Well, the first thing I'd like to do is I'm the only candidate that's talking about term limits. I think uh, our current city council is a perfect argument for uh, term limits. Uh, after a while, they become complacent. They don't seem to care. Uh, and uh, I, I just think that, uh, you know, it will, it will a, reduce costs and pensions, and uh, it will also just uh, get some change, which we need once in a while. Heck, if we had... Uh, if we had term limits at the federal level, Mr. Dressup wouldn't be the prime minister right now. So I think it's time for some change. Term limits would be my, my first one. Thank you. Uh, next will be John. What is your top priority if you were elected on October 18th? 30 seconds. My top priority, as I put it on my campaign, on my platform pages, will be to connect uh, 130 Avenue to Stony Trail. You know, it's part of many problems in traffic was designed 20 some years ago with you know a really proactive uh, uh, thought that uh, this area will grow somebody scrapped it from the from the planning so would be a good move for all the south and for the connections around so yeah connecting 130 avenue with the stony trail thank you thank you Teresa. 30 seconds to yourself whenever you are ready well, I have two top priorities, but the main one I have is digging into the city budget. I want to see exactly what that budget looks like as uh, and go from there and just really dig into it and get that done within the first 90 days of my campaign or um, being in City Hall. The second one I have is now to start working with our municipalities that are bordering our us and starting to work with them. How can we expand? How can we do some cost sharing with infrastructure? How can we work with developers that are working and looking at that? How can we get employment going? Thank you so much. Thank you. Next, Mike. Mike, what is your top priority if elected on October 18th? 30 seconds. Top priority is to uh, address the budget and taxation, to keep taxation, um, tax increases from uh, becoming too large this year. We start into budget negotiations right away in November. This election is going to take place October 18th. It is the first thing that we are going to work on is working on the budget and we need to address the tax situation so that we don't see the increases that we've seen in the past 10 years where they've almost doubled. Thanks. Thank you, Stephen. Top priority if elected on October 18th. Yeah, so mine would be um, attracting more economic um, investments into our city and tackling the budget and our taxes as well and diversifying our local economy and uh, attracting uh, more businesses here, especially to Seton as well as Seton's poised to be the new kind of Southeast uh, downtown as well. So that would be my top, uh, top three priorities here. And I thought you were gonna ask us a fun question. Sorry, fun questions are later. <laughs> Next will be Evan, 30 seconds. What is your top priority if elected on October 9th, 18th? Uh, I have five, but if I had to pick one, it would be economic recovery. Um, uh, it's certainly 
impacts everything, as a few other candidates have already mentioned. Um, I want to make sure that Calgarians stay invested in this city. Um, we need to be careful. Um, we cannot uh, cut. The city has done an awful lot of work to do cuts. We have to be careful. We've got to use a scalpel instead of a chainsaw with cuts. So I want to stay invested. I want to tackle the regulatory environment. Calgary has strong fundamentals. And I want to see catalytic investments happen that make Calgarians proud of our city. Thank you, Evan. Michael, last for you. Top priority if elected on October 18th. The top priority is to fix our economy. We need to start attracting new industries, new business to Calgary to fill up that downtown vacancy. By filling up the downtown vacancy, we will start to fix the tax hole that we currently have. We keep talking about the budgets, making cuts, trying to improve services, but ultimately the only way we will ever be able to improve services and make things better and more affordable for everyone is by increasing our tax base. If we increase our tax base, through improving the downtown and ending urban sprawl, we will be able to make Calgary affordable without increasing the tax rate. Thank you. Thank you to all the candidates. We are now going to go to closing statements. And this time they will be in reverse alphabetical order, but you will be given two minutes. So to start the closing statements for two minutes, and I remind all candidates to please, 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 Tell the viewers and the listeners where they can contact you if they want to ask you a question. Starting with Michael, two minutes whenever you are ready. Okay, so first and foremost, I just want to say thank you. It's been a long road running for office, uh, but it's been fun. I've actually enjoyed it. I've met a lot of people. I've made new friends. So all I can say is thanks, guys. I really appreciate your support, and I really appreciate the opportunity to work for your vote on October 18th. Now, I, I do want to say we have a problem. Uh, that problem is a lot of people are looking at, at the city like it's a business. Cities are not businesses. We have to remember that. Yes, we have to manage our, budget, our budgets. Yes, we do have to spend efficiently. But there are certain things like fire, police, and transit, and snow clearing that are not built to be profitable. So if we run a city like a business, we're going to run into some issues with those services. So just remember, we are not running a business. We are running a city. Now, when I keep talking about ending urban sprawl, the reason why I keep talking about ending urban sprawl is quite simply, we have to stop building out great big communities that don't earn a lot of tax revenue for the amount of infrastructure and services, services that they require to run correctly. If we do that, what will happen is we will increase our tax base. The focus of the city going forward needs to be increasing the tax base, because if we can do that, we can we can actually be successful in improving the quality of life for every Calgarian without increasing the tax rate. Now, that's a very long-term thing, but it has to be done. Uh, if you are interested in reading about a suburb of Chicago that ended urban sprawl and was able to improve its, actually was able to lower it ta its taxes over 40 years while improving the quality of service, it, it was, it's called the, um, the article is political, the suburb that tried to kill the car. Great read and it has a plan to actually make things better for everyone without increasing taxes in the long run. Now, again, my name is Michael Stryline. You can either call me at 587-435-1823 or find me online at michaelstryline.ca. Thank you again. And have a great day. Thank, thank you, Michael. Evan, two minutes to yourself whenever you are ready. I also want to start by saying thank you for the privilege of being able to participate in this process. 
Um, it is certainly asked for a fair bit, um, but I feel a deep sense of gratitude uh, to be entrusted uh, with even the possibility of representing the residents of Ward 12. I'm super grateful to the supporters that have spent so much of their time uh, on the doors and working on um, graphics and the website and all the rest. Uh, I am in your debt, uh, regardless of what happens. Thank you so much. Ward 12, everyone that's watching, uh, we are in some extraordinary times. Um, I share your concern for the future of our local governance. Uh, our world is increasingly becoming hyper-polarized, left versus right, us versus them. And I'm willing to take bullets from both sides to help us get along, but more importantly, focus on getting things done. Ward 12, you can count on me to bring experience, ethics, an established base of knowledge from serving as a city staffer and a community for nearly a decade now. I have earned endorsements, not from what I can do for those groups, but for what I can do for our ward and city. More importantly, I've earned, a, I have an earned respect in our ward from serving it well over many years. And I'm willing and competent collaborator that will seek out expertise and give room to other people from our ward to make vital contributions and activate Calgarians as we build back. What's the vision? The vision is Ward 12 and the city will thrive again by spending smarter, improving livability and growing jobs and opportunities. How? 25 priorities over the next four years, starting with focusing on five in the first 100 days. Each priority with an actionable strategy that can be found at my website, evanspencer.ca. I look forward to working hard for the residents of Ward 12. Should you vote me in as your next city councillor? Thank you for your time. <clears throat> Good night. Thank you. Stephen, two minutes to yourself whenever you are ready. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, I just want to thank everyone for this uh, amazing opportunity to be able to uh, participate in this democratic process and to all the volunteers and residents that have opened their doors and shared their thoughts and feelings on our current city council and what they would like to see in the future here. Uh, I, I would like to say that I'm experienced I, I've been a tech entrepreneur, a small business owner. Um, that's all I know is being an entrepreneur. And I am respectful and I'm a listener. I'm willing to work with everyone here in Ward 12, uh, regardless of political stripes, uh, especially in, in a time uh, right now where everything is so divisive. And, and I know that uh, Ward 12 is looking for uh, a candidate and a counselor that is willing to um, hear them out and take action on all those all the steps and items that needs to be uh, done in war 12 and the challenges that calgarians overall will be facing here in in the near future and uh yeah i would love the opportunity to represent everyone here i would encourage everyone to uh, do your research um, go on google type in our names and also if you want to learn more about me and and there's a ton of items here that we did not cover and couldn't cover just due to the time constraints. Uh, I did release my full platform here. That's 26 plus pages. You can see that and, and please visit me at stephenfan.ca. All my contact information is on that website as well and, and feel free to reach out anytime. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen. Mike, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Well, first of all, I'd just like to thank you, Chris, for hosting this debate. I uh, really appreciate it. And uh, thanks to all the candidates for uh, participating here tonight as well. 
Um, it, it, it really lends to the, to the process and especially thanks to the viewers. Um, without their engagement, it's really tough for us to get our message out. So I thank the viewers for, for viewing this uh, uh, debate here tonight as well. One thing that's become really apparent in the last year and a half or so is that we really never know the challenges we're going to face. Um, no doubt the future is going to be very unpredictable. Uh, that's why I think it's so valuable and maybe more so now than ever before to have decades of relatable experience. Uh, having faced more situations in the past and having found more ways to successfully move forward can help provide a stronger foundation to build on and maybe rely on uh, to face the challenges ahead. And I think challenges are going to arise. Um, I think all the candidates here have faced challenges of some sort during the campaign uh, alone. Uh, while we can al always predict uh, what we'll encounter, but the only thing we can control is how we respond. Uh, one of my key priorities is respect because I've heard from so many people that they're tired of the bickering and the divisive conduct that we've seen of those that are currently on council. As councillor, we're going to be challenged both professionally and personally on many occasions. It's how we respond to these challenges that counts the most. Calgarians just want their representatives to focus on getting the job done. I didn't decide to run for counselor because I'm seeking notoriety or the limelight. I'm just running because I feel I have a lot to offer. Also, I'm not looking to tell you how to live. Rather, I wanna help you live the life that you want in our great city. My pledge to you is to provide responsible, respectful representation and a voice of reason on city council. I thank you, and if you'd like any more information, you can visit my website at mikelavalley.ca. Thanks. Perfect. Two minutes to yourself, Teresa, whenever you're ready. Thank you. Um, I, as I was running in Ward 12 for 2017, I have never stopped working hard for Ward 12. I've always been there and, and working for them every day since I ran. Even though I got second last time, I still kept on working. I've been working with developers. I've been working with the Orphan Well Association. I've been working with the provincial government. I've been working with the federal government. I want to try to find ways, number one, to get rid of the orphan wells that are in our ward or near our ward. These are very toxic. They're H2S, meaning sour gas. And if they actually happen to go off, we would have to take shelter in place. Our first responders are trained because I was also part of that program at SAFE. And that is a huge issue. First thing you're going to do as a parent is go get little Johnny or little Joey from school. First thing you do outside, you're going to die. So we need to get things going like that so that we can actually be part of that. That was what I've been working on. I still am working on it. It's very important to me. Being an oil and gas landman, that is something that I know about. And I know about the environment in that aspect. The other thing I have, I've been working with developers. And I've been listening to our area news uh, uh, area councillors and um, uh, sorry, wards or sorry, municipalities, and um, I've been working with them as well. They would like to come up with a cost sharing idea. Like we have uh, Rocky View County just right at our doorsteps. They're looking at building a huge, huge uh, CP rail um, uh, intermodal there, and they would like to work with us to uh, try to find ways to be innovative to do some cost sharing. That way, we're getting tax bases, they're getting tax bases, but we're also paying less than what we have. We're also getting some police funding back from Rocky View County. We're getting people out in Shepherd getting some police services, water, sewer, other things that they, they require out that way. So, and that's basically the main things that I'm working for. I also want to take this chance to say thank you to all my friends and family who have helped me. And if you need to contact me, and of course you have as well, Chris and Ward 12, 
My number is 825-437-3153-412 at gmail.com and Teresa4412.ca. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Teresa. John, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Thank you again for everybody's patience tonight. You know, it was an interesting debate. If we can call it a debate, it was a polite exchange of answers, questions and answers. So I would like to say that I wish my campaign logo can be applied in politics, you know, less talk and more work. Somehow we know that a lot of campaign promises are just empty words to get one vote. And yet we don't hold accountable politicians who do nothing for the entire mandate, you know. I'm more of a man of action than of words. And I feel good when something I've built has a solid foundation and serves more than myself. Uh, sweet words are not my domain. And I want to take a pledge here. I won't promise you things I may or I may not deliver. But as counselor, I promise you that in two, two years, so two years in the office, I will find a way to get the feedback from most of the World 12 voters and if you don't know about me by then, or you are not happy with what I did in the first two years, I will resign and I will make sure another person takes my place. On a funny part, the most interesting accusation thrown my way was <laughs> that I pay too much attention to details. And this was because all the research data and the reasoning I brought at the table didn't align with other people's ideas to talk about nothing and waste money that we didn't have. I'm a proactive uh, type of guy and try to fix things that are not really broken. Yet we see all around that when people are, when issues are, you know, totally broken, this is when we get in reactive mode and we spend a lot of money, like, like the public, public arts program in Calgary. You know, I wish at the end of this campaign, the next counselor would put together all the good ideas from across all the candidates and try to implement them for the betterment of Ward 12 and entire city. Thank you all. Have a great night. And don't forget to be humble and thankful for everything we have good in our lives. John Chabi Habiduta, you can Google this one and you will find my website and all the information about me and the extensive campaign. Thank you very much. Thank you, John. And last closing statement, we'll go to Craig. Two minutes whenever you are ready. Well, thank you, Chris, and thank you, fellow candidates, for coming on this debate. It was a, a good exchange of ideas. Um, over the past uh, year and a half, I've door knocked uh, 32,000 doors, dropped over 140,000 pieces of literature, had 6,792 people respond um, to the online survey, and we've made 13,000 phone calls and are continuing. Uh, we, my most recent piece of information is out right now. Um, it talks about the, your top concerns and issues, and uh, we'll be having some more information coming to you in the future. Uh, I am, uh, the city of Calgary is literally a business. It's called the Corporation of the City of Calgary. And what we need is to get elect people who have business experience to help attract business. I'm the only candidate that did exit interviews with the, all the companies leaving going down to Houston. I'm the only candidate I know that if that has talked to Amazon to ask them, you know, their side of the, the version of why they didn't build the facility here in Calgary and just did it in Balzac. And taxes are a major issue. And I know as the former executive director of the largest business group in the city, what businesses want, what businesses need. And uh, folks, if we don't uh, attract business to the city, what's going to happen is your taxes are going to go up even further. And uh, you're going to make up the shortfall. 
we need to have people who have uh, run corporations, who have a plan, who've met paychecks, who, who understand budgets don't magically balance themselves. And I have a detailed resume, uh, which you can see on my website as well, which is electcraigchandler.ca. You can email me at info at electcraigchandler.ca, and you can give me a call at 403-720-1911. Please re do your research. Uh, uh, come to my website, again, electcraigchandler.ca. And thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to talk with you this evening. Deeply appreciate it. Thank you. I'm just going to bring myself back on here for a second and say my closing statements. I want to thank the candidates and also you, the voters, for doing this, uh, taking time out of your Thursday night to sit down and watch a debate an exchange of ideas, but also to the candidates for taking time out of their campaign and actually talking about the issues that are important to you, the, the residents. By taking time out of your day, you the voters, you've done the first step to ensure that democracy survives. Democracy only survives with candidates and voters. As I've said numerous times on my show, vote, 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 vote. If you do not vote, you do not have a voice. Advanced polling opens on Monday, October 4th and runs until Monday or until October 10th, I apologize. And also election day is October 18th. Get out, get educated. Take 90 minutes, learn about the candidates who are running for mayor, learn about the candidates who are running for council, for Senate, learn about the plebiscite issues that are currently being presented in front of us as well the school board trustees, learn about the candidates and vote. At the end of the day, if you do not vote, do not complain on social media. I also wanna say that I will be back here Monday night with another batch of candidates for Ward 1 uh, at seven o'clock, Monday, October the 4th. So please tune in and I thank you so much everyone for doing this. Have yourself an excellent rest of your Thursday and stay safe. Thank you.